What's going on, guys? Another episode of the Prepare to Fight Fire podcast. Today is uh, a pretty rad guest, uh, Matt Chan. Welcome, buddy. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So we'll kind of dive into it. Um, you know, an elite CrossFit athlete um, that that is a, is a fireman representing our community, uh, representing the fitness world at the highest level. Um, kind of, I want to talk about Matt before he was CrossFit Matt um, and <laughs> where, where you started your journey and then how you got obviously very passionate, uh, committed, and then took it to the highest level in, in the world with CrossFit. Yeah. So, uh, I, like a lot of people, I started as a volunteer firefighter, uh, around 2003, uh, up in the mountains in a, in a town called uh, winter park, Colorado. A lot of people know that as a ski area and that's, that's the town I was living in and just happened to kind of walk into, uh, the volunteer station there for pizza night and ended up being a resident there for a number of years and found that I really liked that job more than what I was doing for a living. So uh started to pursue that and got hired with North Metro in January of 2007. Okay. And yeah, so I've been, uh, I worked there for five years. Uh, during that time, I also opened a, a CrossFit gym in 2008, um, which was very successful at the time. Uh, still is actually to this day. I just don't own it anymore. Um, and started training for CrossFit as kind of like a method of getting better at my job. Uh, I, I was involved in more endurance based sports prior to that. Uh, so doing the whole weightlifting and cardio thing together was, was tough for me. So, uh, you know, I started doing CrossFit to kind of better prepare for work, uh, you know, wearing, wearing gear and being weighted down and, you know, pulling ceiling and all that stuff without getting out of breath. And, uh, yeah, I just found that, you know, not only did it make me better at my job, but I also really enjoyed that type of exercise. It kind of fit my personality of, of you know, variance, um, holding my attention from day to day and being able to stay on a program for longer than just a few weeks at a time. And uh, yeah, so we decided to open a gym and I started pursuing the CrossFit Games and, in 2008 and uh, ended up doing that for six years. Uh, worked for CrossFit Incorporated as a seminar staff trainer, um, traveling the world. Uh, co-wrote a seminar with CrossFit called the Competitors Course, which was a uh, is a course based, obviously, towards CrossFit competition. I did that with uh, two friends of mine, Chris Beeler and Eric O'Connor. And uh, you know, I ended up leaving the fire service in 2012 to get a little bit more serious about the opportunities that I had with CrossFit. It was a tough decision. I asked for a leave of absence and uh, it went all the way up to the the fire chief and he ended up denying that. Um, but I decided to leave. It was a pretty easy decision at that point that I needed to pursue this unique opportunity. Um, and that year I took second place in the CrossFit Games. So it was kind of a good choice for me. That opened up a lot of doors. And uh, yeah, as that kind of ran its course for me, I I decided to get back into the fire service around 2016 and it took me a year to get all the certs back and all that stuff. And, uh, I ended up going back to work for the same department that I, that I left and I had kind of a renewed mindset, uh, and a little bit more maturity going into it the second time around, which really has led to a more fulfilling career in the fire service. And I've been doing that now for an additional seven years. So, okay. Uh, 
Yeah. So that's where we stand. I have 12 years experience as a professional. And in just a couple weeks here, I'm taking the promotional exam for Lieutenant. Um, so trying to keep, keep the train moving, keep the momentum going. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that was a confusion, I guess. Um, the, I don't know who I was talking to. Um, they're a big fan, obviously of you in the CrossFit world. And I guess they didn't know the prior Matt, they just knew you all in with CrossFit and, um, yeah. what was the, the disconnect? Um, that's tough, man. That's, that's definitely tough. I definitely understand that thought process. Um, I know the commitment in your field, uh, of CrossFit to, to go as far as you did, you had to be all in, right. And, yeah. and even being a firefighter, people say with, with our schedule, it's great. As far as athletic goes, you can't have the inconsistency. The inconsistency right. will affect your performance. It's, it's just that simple. Um, you can be a great a- athlete, but you won't be exceptional. And to, to take the podium like you did, um, you have to be exceptional. These guys, you're competing with guys that they're controlling every variable that they can. They're not getting woken up for a fire alarm two, three, four times after midnight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Our job is not conducive to uh, athletic performance. And, you know, honestly, back in the day, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, I got, I got away with a lot at the CrossFit games with that job that I had. And I think the, as I saw the level of performance increasing, amongst the cohort of guys that I had been competing against for a number of years, it was really the only variable that I could play with to improve my own performance. I was getting older. I think the in 2012, I think I was either 35 or 36 when I was on the podium. And I really, I, I knew I didn't have much time left to be at that level. So I really wanted to kind of pull the trigger and put all the variables, you know, in the direction of, of being on that podium that year. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, and it shows you, it, it really shows, uh, you know, your your commitment. And a, a lot of people don't, they say they're committed, but saying you're committed and, and, and aligning your actions with commitment are two different things. Um, and, and to me, like, bro, it's so, so admirable that you were able to disconnect, like, because I knew you love being a firefighter. Everybody loves yeah. being a firefighter. But yeah. it's doing good things to try to achieve great things, right? And that's that. That, that, that toss-up that this job does give us and grant us many opportunities. But I want people to also understand, because it's an array of people who listen to the podcast, it also limits you from, from a lot of things, right? And as long as you know that coming into it, um, you know, you'd be better prepared for it. Uh, as far as performance goes, let's talk about that. It's pretty interesting at the flip of a hat, guys that are exhausted, running off of caffeine and most – Firefighters, Adderall, <laughs> the yep. the uh, the ability that we're able to perform at. What with your obviously expertise and training, what have you contributed that to mostly? I, I think it's the mindset. What do you think? Uh, for performance improvements. Well, just the, the pure fact that guys can basically not train like you or I, but still perform at a pretty high level. Um, you know, yeah. like the, the average firefighter is not preparing, I, I would say like you or I, right. They mm-hmm. might go to the gym. They might not, but for the most part, I, I'm still surprised to see the level of performance that some guys put out Yeah, when their lifestyle doesn't mirror a healthy or well lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I think there's there is this weird uh phenomenon. I, I think that, you know, there are a number of firefighters that are in that kind of 30% that really are not interested in exercise. They're really not interested in watching their diet. Um, but yet you see them perform on the fire ground or on, you know, physical ability tests or whatever it is. Uh, and you're, I'm always shocked. And it's just like, dang, man, that's really surprising. But, you know, we have a very physical job and, you know, to train on a, on a daily or, you know, a set, uh, once a set or however people do it is very physical. And I would consider it PT in its own right, you know, to, to wear your gear, to be weighted down. And if you're going for 45 minutes to an hour and a half, that's a lot of physical activity. The other part of that is, is that, you know, one of the, one of the things that really for a busier station is a benefit is the amount of getting out and about that we do. You know, I know you probably track your steps and stuff like that. And we usually have days that are, you know, days where we're sitting on our butts quite a, quite a while. But there's also the more I, I find that the the more average day is I'm getting 10 to 12,000 steps just by running calls, not including any sort of PT. So I think, you know, there are the people that we're talking about, the, the kind of the 30 percent that that aren't interested in PT, but they're still staying active. And that that's why they're still performing. Um, is there a mindset to that as well? Potentially, potentially. Um, but I think that upper 33% where it's like those guys that they're going to work out whether they're having a busy, crappy day or not. Um, those people definitely have that mindset. They have discipline in their lives, probably across a number of elements. Um, and they probably also prioritize things like PT, uh, rest and recovery, um, and doing things for their mental health on their four day or whatever their off days are, uh, where they're going to see more improvement for when they come on the job. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So as far as coming to work, right. So if, if I was, you know, a part of your organization department and I saw you on the roster and I never met you or, or, or maybe we did meet, we're already friends. I would be stoked, right? I would assume we're going to, we're going to send it. We're going to send it. We're going to put something, something together. That's going to be cool. How I feel like though I'm I'm a very competitive person compared to the person that's kind of shy or kind of insecure. How do you go about involving fitness with the guys and kind of pulling back your elite, obviously athletic level to making everybody better? Or do you kind of do your own thing? What's your what's your thought process behind that? Uh, I always extend the invitation. First of all. Um, I write a program and every one of uh, the firefighters at our department has access to that program for free. And the question has obviously come up, you know, well, what are you doing? What, are, what is it that you're doing to, you know, get fit, stay fit, look fit, all of that stuff. And I, I tell them like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pull back the curtain and, and show you guys. And you're probably going to be pretty disappointed in what it is. It's not impressive. It's not intense. It's not, you know, all this and that, it's, it's just consistent. Mm. And instead of having them guess what we're going to do today, I always generally, if I'm working with a group of people and they are in for working out, I'll say, Hey, just pull up the app and we'll, we'll take a look at what the workout is and we'll do it. So there are no, there's no, there's no surprises. They know what to expect. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pull a quick one on them and, and throw them on the assault bike for a 50 cal challenge or anything like that. <laughs> you know, a lot of days it's like, you know, Hey, we're just gonna, we're gonna just do some strength training followed by some accessory work and some yoga. And, uh, I, I think the more senior guys that I work with, they've come to know that, that it is a, 
uh, program that is more relatable, something that they can be consistent with. Um, whereas the new guys have the mentality that you're talking about where they, they come to work with, you know, me and a couple of the other guys that have been around for a bit and they're like, Oh man, what are we going to do today? You know, <laughs> right. let's get, a- let's get after it. Let's do a bunch of clean and jerks. Let's do some rowing, you know, whatever. Um, but honestly, I think most of those guys are largely disappointed with what my PT looks like, but I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm on maintenance, you know, I'm, I'm still looking to have fun and, and do, do some cool things with fitness. But in reality, I'm trying to get through my career for another 10 years and, and not get banged up anymore. Yeah. So let's talk, let's dive into that topic. Cause I know you're, you've got a lot of experience and I'd love to learn a lot about it. What have you learned from going full tilt for what would you say? Almost two decades of training. Yeah. It was like 15 years of, you know, like very, very consistent hard training. What injuries have you come across and what do you know now that you wish you would have implemented? Right. Like, like for me, I've, I've been in it about 10 years now. So, mm-hmm. um, I have yet to have a major injury, but I have noticed now the hardcore stuff that I do today, I pay for it the next couple of days where yeah, of when I was 22, 23, I'd be fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I would say that the biggest things that I've learned is that, um, consistency over intensity. Um, a lot, a lot of folks that I work with, you know, they want to get all their workouts in, in one, one day, basically. Uh, so they make that one day really intense and, you know, then they're messed up for the next bunch of days and it's okay to take days off. Whereas you and I both know what, what staying fit really requires is movement on a consistent basis. And, you know, that, that means PT. Great. That means, you know, Hey, today is a big day. And, you know, I, I decide that I'm going to have some friends over at the garage gym and we're going to do, you know, two hours of, of shooting the shit and training. That's cool too. But at the same time, getting out and walking the dog three times in a day and getting 10 to 12,000 steps, just as important. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you're not feeling it today, sitting on your ass all day is not going to make, make you feel any better getting sunlight in your eyes, wearing a pack or a rucksack and just going for 10,000 steps. There's a huge benefit to that. So that's something that I've learned personally, that it's okay to back off as long as you remain consistent in movement. So yeah. that's, that's a, that's a big one. And then probably the other, the other thing is that like, I, I'm now at peace with um, not being competitive. And for a while that was definitely hard to swallow is that, you know, I'm trying to, compete with these kids that I work with. And, um, I'm having a hard time keeping up because honestly, you know, they're, they're extremely fit, but I also got to look at it. Like they're also 20 years younger than me, you know, and that's, yeah, that's a hard I, I had, I had no idea you were, you were as old as you are. You know, I started, you told me when you started and I was trying to I'm crunching the math. I'm like, Holy cow, this guy's, this guy's not 29 years old. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I'm 45, uh, turning 46 in a, in a month. So yeah, it's, no, that's, you're still crushing it. Dude. You're still crushing it. It's, yeah. it's tough. Somebody told me uh, they're training for smoke divers and um, they're about a little less than 20 days out. And uh, he's like, man, I can't let off the gas. I'm like, dude, you need to drop your ego. And I'm like, yeah. you know, that point where you're challenging yourself and you're like, okay, I got to keep going. Like now's the time where you say enough's enough. Like that's good. Stop. Yeah. And, uh, and that's super hard. I think for a lot of driven firefighters training and athletes across across the world um that having that whereabouts of accepting enough 
like enough is enough, you know, yeah. um, because your ego will tell you, no, I need to do more. I need to do more. And now I'm talking to you with this vast amount of training experience where you're doing more for how long, right? I, I'm like you, man. I want to climb. I got a lot of uh, history with Colorado. I'll, I'll actually be out there in a couple of weeks, but I want to climb 14ers. I want to be that old dude, like that seven year old that's just like not moving fast, but he's climbing a mountain at, at the age of 70. You know, that's yeah, without a doubt. And that's definitely one another thing that I've learned is that, you know, the, the direction I was going with training and banging up the body, I started looking at it the bigger picture of what, what is my, you know, retirement years going to look like. And, you know, I know I'm going to need a knee replacement in the next three to five years. Um, I've got a torn meniscus that is just not cooperating. I've got arthritis in my femur, patella and tibia that can be debil- debilitating at times. And I don't want to look at my, you know, retirement as a chance to just stop. In fact, that like you said, I, I want to keep moving. I want to go hunt, you know, back backcountry hunting. I want to go backcountry skiing. I want to go climbing and mountain biking. I want to eventually transition to just hikes and backpacking because, you know, everything else kind of hurts too much. And I I started to look at the stuff that I was doing and it really didn't match with what my end goal was. And my end goal was largely aerobic stuff and the CrossFit style stuff that I was doing, you know, five plus years ago for a number of years didn't match that. Short and tense does not equal long and low at low intensity. Right. So I had to start kind of playing with those variables of my program a bit more to align them with what the long-term goal is. Now, let me ask you this. To be the elite level athlete that you were, did now know what you know, did you have to train the same way that you did or could you have constructed it differently to still get the end result, but not have the injuries that are associated with it. Yeah. So the big thing that I would have changed from uh, the 15 years of training would be how often I lifted weights in relationship to how often I did longer aerobic work. Uh, Because the aerobic work is what makes you better during longer duration, high intensity efforts. Right. You know, let's just, let's just say, for example, um, you know, I'm th- I think we're all pretty much familiar with the workout fight gone bad. Um, you know, f- basically in every minute on the minute with five different exercises and you take an, a minute off in between uh, the exercises. Um, that workout I thought was all about, you know, stamina and, and your mindset and the ability to push super hard in high intensity. But in reality, your aerobic system is what's helping you recover during those anaerobic efforts right. or during the rest sequences. So I think what would have made me a better athlete back then was doing more aerobic work rather than just one day a week of aerobic work, doing three to four days a week of aerobic work, and then maybe three to four sessions of the high intensity stuff that would have made me a better athlete. Now my program looks like three days of aerobic work that's dedicated to aerobic work with no anaerobic stuff. And then I add in three days of varying high intensity. Gotcha. So when you're saying aerobic, does that mean a little harder than a rock? Is that rowing with a little bit of intensity? Is that hitting an assault bike with a little bit of intensity? Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, all of what you just said, yes. The answer is yes. So 
Um, I think, I think for me, the one that I, I like the most is, uh, both running and, and using the, the bike erg if we're talking about gym exercises. And, uh, the reason is, is because the, the running in particular, and I know you're a runner, I'm pretty impressed by your treadmill marathon the other day. That's pretty, pretty impressive. But, um, it's, it's all about supporting your own body weight over a duration of time and metabolizing fat as your primary fuel source. If you don't train that, you lose that. So these are the people that have an aerobic deficiency that jump right into burning glucose and glycogen for fuel. And as you know, that's a very limited uh, gas tank. And what that requires then is stopping and recovering. So when it comes to firefighting, you need to have that aerobic base so that you know, let's just say uh, you're the heel on a hose line and you're working your ass off getting that nozzleman all the hose that they need. And even if you're going up a, a staircase, those moments where you're holding still and you're waiting for the next command, that's your opportunity to recover. And if you're just if you're in that anaerobic state, then you're just a ticking time bomb for your crew. So that's th- those are the things that I look at when I program now where it's like, OK, what's going to get me to the. So retirement, feeling good. And, you know, those days on the treadmill, I don't love them, but I know how valuable they are. Same with the biker. The biker, uh, I would, if somebody was going to choose where to start, generally, I would say either uh, run, okay? And if somebody says they can't run, then I would say then you'd either walk for the same distance that you would run or ruck. Those two things are great options. And they're like, well, you know, I don't like being on a treadmill. I'd say, all right, then a bike is a good option. But it's not as good of an option because you're not supporting your own body weight as you're performing the exercise. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, let me ask you this. We have people that are fit but aren't mentally well. And then we have people that are mentally well that aren't fit. So finding that balance, um, what do you do? To, to stay sharp up top mentally, you know what I mean? To stay, you know, in check with your ego, to stay in check, being fulfilled. Um, yeah. I, I, I follow, uh, I don't know if you read the book by John Eldridge, Brave at Heart. Mm. Um, it's a really good book and his, his three things I talk, I talk about all the time are uh, an adventure to have, a battle to fight, and then a beauty to rescue. So every man needs those three things. Um, so yeah, the adventure is, is just being a kid, right? And, and, and doing kid things right but as an adult the battle is something that you're working towards um mm. and the beauty is having a significant other that uh you're you're constantly not rescuing in that sense but basically like showing improving your worth and and, and yeah. being uh, the, the the person that that they deserve yeah I, I i couldn't have put it any better those you know just hearing you say that that i can recognize all three of those elements in my life and and being things that help me feel fulfilled on a daily basis. Uh, the first thing I would say is that, you know, I do everything that I do for myself and my wife. We don't have kids, but you know, like our little family unit, I do everything for that. And, you know, if honestly, if I didn't need to work, I, I would, I would be hundred percent happy just fulfilling that part of my life. Right. Um, but the, but the try hard part of it where it's like, you know, always learn, always try something new and always challenge yourself. Um, you know, I do that in, a, in a, a wide variety of ways. I think being in the gym on a daily basis is, is, is one way of doing that. 
I, I do ice baths every single day that I'm home. I hit the sauna every single day that I'm home. So kind of gym stuff that fulfills that. But two other ways that I do that is, you know, with our job, we can be pretty uh, stationary and lose our momentum and also lose the fulfillment that we have with our job. And I think I'm kind of at that point in the last uh, probably three years, I started to feel like I was starting to get a little complacent. So I decided to challenge myself by, uh, you know, getting our out of class certifications and work as a out of class officer. And then now put myself out there and test myself uh, against some of the best, you know, firefighters that we have right now in this lieutenant, uh, lieutenant pr- promotional process. Right. And, and that, that's, you know, it's a nerve wracking thing, you know, that there's a written component, there's a practical component, then there's an interview component. And I know those guys are smart dudes. Right. And, and like, I don't want to be last on that list. I don't want to. So like I I come home every day now and I I study for four hours and I'm making sure that I don't embarrass myself. But then like the, the other part of that is I choose one to two things every single year that is, uh, uh, a challenge that I know I need to really focus on. Um, this year, it's the Leadville 100 mountain bike. I'm going to do that again. Um, I'm on Rich Froning's team, uh, the Mayhem team, to do that. Raise some money for charity, but that's 100 miles at 10,000 feet or above of elevation. And uh, it's it's a very difficult ride, something that I can't take for granted. And I'm going to go out there and train for it. So... Uh, that started uh, at the beginning of December and trying to hit two days a week of that and ran <laughs> from there. But those things that scare you that you're not sure you can do, um, I, I think everybody should have one of those things in their, in their life every year. You mentioned hunting. You know, I mean, for, for some people, that's that's their thing is, you know, acquiring the tags, doing some training, uh, doing the research on where they're going to go and where they're going to spend the night. and you know, what animals are in that area and do the scouting. That's their challenge of the year. And I think everybody's got to have something like that in their life in order to feel fulfillment. And I personally try to choose something that is type two fun where it's like, it's not going to be fun in the moment, but (laughs) when you look back on it, you're going to be like, Oh shit, I want to do that again. Yeah. So have you done the the mountain bike before the Leadville 100 mountain bike? Yeah, I did. I did it in 2019, but uh, something about that. I, I, had no clue what I was doing as far as the the pace of it. And my goal was to go sub 12 and I went 1108. So I, I got what they call the little belt buckle. It's okay. a, yeah. it's like a rodeo, rodeo belt buckle. Yeah. So you, you don't know, but I ran the, the run two, two years ago. Oh, no kidding. Congratulations. Two, year, two years ago. And I got the little buckle too. So yeah. uh, I just put it for the lottery. We'll see if, if I get, if I get chosen, I'm obviously going, um, and uh, yeah, man. So a little cool backstory. Um, so you know exactly I, what I'm saying, though. It's like that—that that is the biggest thing that you, I mean. You will only be able to focus on that this year, yeah. outside of outside of your family and outside of your job. Yeah. And I, I feel like something—it doesn't need to be quite that extent, but everybody should have something in their lives that is like that, where it's scary. You're not sure if you can do it that you need to train for on a daily basis that's going to hold you accountable and the results are what's going to hold you accountable. Right. And in the moment, you're going to want to quit for every single second of the race. But then afterwards, it's like, oh man, I want to do that again. Yeah. It's it's the process, right? We'll talk about that. The process 
of an audacious goal will change you. And once you accomplish the goal, at least for me, and I'm sure you can attest to this, going to the games and, and having that feeling, the feeling is not at the goal, right? The feeling is accomplishing the goal and actually realizing what you did to get there, who you are now versus when you started, right? Like the, the person I see now when you cross that finish line in August will be a completely different person, right? Because right. you are going to go through trials and tribulations and you're going to test yourself and you're going to question yourself. And that's, that's, I think we've lost sight of that as a society. That's the purpose of life, right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we, 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 we literally have transitioned from like literally like actually struggling to everything is comfort. I mean, everything. Mm-hmm. And yep. when we were struggling as a society, as humans, we were purpose driven. We were struggling, but we we had we had shit we had to do. Like we we were we were doing shit. We didn't have time to be depressed, right? We had we we had to we had to worry about surviving. And yep. now you have to be intentional about creating a lifestyle that, like you just said, has implemented challenges, obstacles that are gonna push you outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, and the the simplest thing in in my life that I could really equate that to that other people can try is a daily ice bath. Mm. Because it's it's you don't have to train for it, you don't have to, you know, uh travel or whatever, but you do have to face the music when you're standing there getting ready to step inside of that thing. You know it's going to be difficult, you know it's going to suck. Um your fingers and toes are going to be freezing and you're going to want to jump out of it for the entire first minute. But that's something I do for myself, both mentally uh, as a challenge, but also, you know, phys- there's physical benefits to it too. Absolutely. And just getting in that ice for three minutes every single day is it's, you got to face the music. And, and when you, when you step out of that, you can feel better about yourself because you held yourself accountable. You face the music of it, it being difficult and it feels really good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a big proponent of, uh, of cold, hot, cold contrast, um, mm-hmm. cold water therapy in general, I tell everybody, you're going to hate it. You're going to hate the buildup, but you'll never meet somebody or nobody will ever say, I got out of an ice bath and don't and didn't or don't feel amazing. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with a workout. But to me, it's like, you only have to sit in an ice bath for three minutes and you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're, you're good. Um, but yeah, that's that's something that, you know, to me, I just, it's just water, you know, it's, it's, it's just water. It's just water. And, and I'm, I'm a psychopath. Every time I go to Colorado, I go to Colorado for the, the holidays. I'm, I'm leaving next week. Um, but my in-laws have a place in the mountains. So I, a uh, last couple of years, I've really been a geek with this cold water therapy. And one year we were driving by this, this little river where they drop in, um, uh, the, the rafts for whitewater mm-hmm. rafting. Mm-hmm. And um, in the summertime, it's like, it's easy to access. In the winter, it's just all covered in snow. So I told my wife, I was like, I was like, oh, look, like there's a little like pod that's not frozen. Like that's probably a perfect place to ice bath. She's like, you're insane. It's like 20 degrees outside. <laughs> I'm like, no, let's, let, let's give it a try. And, um, and yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was actually warmer inside the water than it was outside. <laughs> yep. and, uh, and, and it's the coldest I've ever been. I was probably cold for two hours after the fact. Um, oh, so good. I, so good. I, I felt amazing. I felt alive. And uh, I, I truly live for for that moment. 
Oh. Yeah, and the guys that we work with, you know, I think that something like that can be something, it's a starting point. And the the workouts and, and all that stuff, if that stuff's intimidating to them, you know, let's set it aside. Let's not let's not worry about it. Like, you know, right now I work with a guy that is his workout is being consistent of being on the treadmill for 30 minutes and he just walks, you know, so that's his place. And a little bit of ice bath, a little bit of sauna and that's a great place to start for most people. And just the consistency of doing that will leave you wanting more. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Like you may, you, you may not be Julian, you may not be Matt Chan, whatever, uh, doing, doing an hour and a half of, you know, moderate to high intensity stuff, but what you're doing will, will build and just the ability to do that every single day. That's, I hope that's the, the thing that our guys do is just be consistent. Well, and that's the thing too. Don't compare. Like I would never compare my fitness level to you because you've been in the space twice as long as I have. Right. So if mm-hmm. we did do a workout, I would have to check myself in the workout and understand that if you are smoking me and whatever, like this guy's experience, like what can I do right now to be better? Right. Right. And then yep. Build off of there. And anybody out there listening to this, don't com- comparison is a deep of joy. You have to stay in your lane and become the best you right now. You're looking at Matt 6.0, Julian 3.0, like, you know, you don't you, you didn't see us when we were at 1.0. At 1.0, we were right where you are, you know, starting, building, building the consistency, um, yep. understanding what my weaknesses are uh, to build off of that. And I think a lot of people are so intimidated by man, how long is it going to take to get to their level that they lose track of? Like, you just have to be better than you were yesterday. Like, it's yeah, it's that it's that simple. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you do with the department as far as fitness? Do you are you associated with anything with that? I've seen a lot of stuff on your Instagram. Um, and then you do you guys have saunas and ice baths at every station? How does that work out? Yeah, so uh, I'm the health and performance lead. Uh, you know, it's like basically our fitness committee and we do a number of things, basically any sort of annual testing, uh, health related, we kind of organize all that stuff, uh, job performance testing. So we do an annual job performance test, uh, pretty simple. It's kind of like the CPAT, uh, where basically you just have to be under a certain time frame, and you can continue to do your job. And that time frame is really not a challenge at all. You can walk the thing and finish in 630. And 8.30 is our time cutoff for whether or not you're fit for duty. Um, We research a whole bunch of stuff uh, as far as, you know, like, for example, what equipment to purchase every single year with our budget, um, maintenance for our stuff, but also like what should we include to make our department safer? For example, one one of the things that we learned in the last couple of years is that maybe just throwing guys into the job performance assessment uh, annually is not the greatest of ideas. We had a guy that actually had uh, not only a heart attack, but he actually uh, suffered cardiac arrest twice after our JPA. Um, so we started asking ourselves, you know, okay, how can we safeguard uh, these guys from themselves almost during that JPA? So we're looking at doing a qualification, just a METS test uh, that says that you're aerobically proficient enough to recover from the JPA, should you do it? Um, and uh, we, we make decisions with stuff like that. We also, we're all pure fitness trainers through the new uh, IAFF Fit to Thrive uh, program. 
and we coach not only our cohort of guys that we're working with, we're there as a resource, but also uh, the academies. So we run two academies per year. They're generally uh, 30 plus people. And every morning we've got uh, between four to five pure fitness trainers there that you know, they're, they're implementing a program. They're making sure guys are consistent there at the academy, so on and so on. Um, I own a company called Train for the Win, and we do exercise programming. And my wife and I are the only two that kind of run this thing. And we are now writing program uh, academy programs for, I think we're up to like six or seven different uh, fire departments or consortiums of fire departments where they implement that, that program uh, at their academies. Some of them are custom. Some of them are uh, uh, kind of a generic uh, program that they can implement with little to no equipment. Um, but, you know, with my experience of teaching in an academy on two different cadres, um, as well as being a peer fitness trainer for five, six years now at those academies, I feel like I have a good idea of what the average uh, trainee is coming in. So I'm able to not only write that program, but I'm also get, getting to see it at our North Area Fire Academy uh, being implemented by our peer fitness trainers and by the trainees who are being trained. So that's a pretty unique experience. And I don't know if a lot of guys uh, have had that experience, um, but I really enjoy doing that. But then there's this kind of constant battle of time, right? Right. Um, doesn't matter, like... I want to take on the world. I'm sure you do too. Uh, I want to make the fire department and every fire department that ever reaches out to me a better fire department. But at a certain point, um, you really have to start to prioritize things and say no to things. And uh, you know, I learned that when I when I took on the gym and started competing with CrossFit and all of that. It turned out that my first five years firefighting itself was kind of a an afterthought. I really right. wasn't putting putting a lot of effort into it. So with all that stuff, you know, I really, I have to balance that, that time commitment, um, especially with this lieutenant process going on right now of how much time I'm committing to it. So I'm involved in a number of ways at the fire department. And, uh, the, the real trick is not over committing for me yeah. personally. Yeah, absolutely, bro. It's, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no, you know, that's, that's, that's what I've adopted because then you're just getting like a watered down me in whatever yeah. I'm committing to. And, and that's not fair. Right. So as, as shitty as it is saying no, well, at least don't get over the fact that you said no and then move on. We're like, yeah. a yes, they're expecting CrossFit Matt, <laughs> you know, like right. they're expecting the best. Um, and, and that's tough, man. Cause you know, guys like us want to be a part of everything, want to help everything and everybody. And yeah. uh, you just, you can't, do it at a high level and, and, and say yes to everything. It's just impossible. Yeah. Yeah. You sp spread yourself thin. You know, I mean, if you think of it just in an energy, you know, usage, like you can't go for, you know, 18 hours a day. And if you say yes to everything, guarantee that's what you're going to be doing. And then right. you put on, you stack on top of there, the fatigue from working shift work. Um, you're like you said, you're just going to be a disappointment to everybody. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Now you, you, you've, you've, let people down and, and that's not a good spot. So we'll kind of wrap this up, man. What, what does it mean to you to be a firefighter? Like, what is, what does that, what does that mean to Matt? 
you know, I, I look at it as an opportunity to serve. Um, I did a lot of stuff for a long time that was very self-serving. And when I came back to the fire department, one of the things that I promised myself is that I'm going to look at every call as an opportunity to serve. Mm. And that keeps me fired up um, because we all know there's the frequent flyers. There's the, um, the people who are calling for basic flu-like symptoms when in reality they should be going to see an urgent care or, a, uh, or whatever. But those opportunities to serve vary in very simple to very complex. So I, I try to take it all like uh, in stride and, and, and really, really try to give my best on every single call. And I think now that I've been doing that for long enough, for the last seven years of, of really committing to this career, uh, it's starting to rub off on other people that I work with. And I, I get to see that infectious attitude um, spread throughout the crews that I work with. And, and that, that really feels good to me is that, you know, I can be a part of a positive thing, not a negative thing. Yeah. Um, I think I heard you say on one of your podcasts that, you know, uh, if you show up and you're the guy that uh, kind of nobody wants to work with that, you really have to kind of like check yourself and, and like kind of look into that a little bit more, do some introspective thought. And I couldn't agree with that more because when I was here the first five years, when I worked for this department, I noticed that I was the rover all the time and I couldn't quite figure out why they never put me at a station. And it's probably because nobody fucking wanted to work with me because I was, because I was giving a half an effort to everything that I was doing. And I really wanted to change that when I came back and I wanted to be one of the people that, you know, people are stoked to work with. Yeah. And, and, and dude, that's, that's a topic that, that me, me as well, you know what I mean? Um, same position of, of being in that spot. And, uh, you know, I, I had somebody sit me down and say, Hey man, you do amazing things everywhere except here, you know? And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, this is the, the place that gives you the opportunity. So yep. you have to, like, like I said earlier, be all in, um, and, and really be present. That's what I've really adopted recently is just wherever I am, like nothing else matters, you know, yeah. I'm willing yeah. something bad happens. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I can't be everywhere, right? I can only be where I'm at and I got to give whoever I'm around the best me possible, right? Yeah. Cause that's what I would want, right? If, if I was around somebody that I looked up to or anybody, I would want them to give me the attention that, you know, that I would give them. So, um, dude, thank you so much, man. This was, this was great. This is a lot of insight here, a lot of value. And, um, and I, I really appreciate everything you've done for the fitness world. Like I said, I've, I've followed you for years. Um, my, my cousin's a big CrossFit guy and, uh, he helps me with the business. And uh, he's like, "Hey, you're 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 gonna have a podcast with Matt Chan." And I'm like, "I'm like, yeah, man, he's he's awesome." He's like, "Dude, I love that guy." <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, honestly, uh, I look at every one of these as an opportunity to just talk to somebody new, and and you know, hopefully, get to see you when you're in Colorado or whatever. And yeah, man, we'll have to connect. I see you have your garage gym, um, and uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm all about. Uh, you, you got know, a place to work out. You got a place to work out. Yeah, breaking bread and uh, and 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 creating a bond, man. I, I got a couple buddies. We're doing a 14er. Um, I'll send you the day if you're available. Uh, I think the 21st. So I'm all about community, man, and, and hanging out with the, the guys and just being better. So, um, Here you so thank you, bro. I appreciate you. And uh, I'm super grateful for, for this episode. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it.